This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. 2NURFM 103.7 and time, Sally Lucas, joining me, Jane Klein, to talk travel again for the first time this year. Have you had a good time off? It was a lovely break over Christmas, Jane, but it just feels like forever, doesn't it? (laughs) I just can't believe it's, you know, I thought, wow, back on the radio. (laughs) Have you been travelling anywhere? Um, Me, just to Threadbow over Christmas, which was lovely. Lovely part of the world. Great time of the year to go. Yeah, yeah. There's so much happens down there in summer. People might not be aware that are more the winter snow bunnies, but honestly, that pace is so active in summer. If anyone wants to go somewhere with beautiful mountain air and crisp, clear skies and beautiful starlit nights and mountain walks and the flowers are just brilliant at that time of the year, um, just go and do it. And somewhere to feel cool in the yeah. hi- in the height of summer. Well, normally, but it was extremely hot when we were down there. <laughs> the, the nights were cool. the nights were nice. It was lovely. Yes, so we're back. We're back, but we're going somewhere else today. I just had to head back to one of my favourite parts of the world for the start of the year. And looking at the brochure in front of me, I could whisk myself off there right now, and that's the Aveyron area in the south of France. It's sort of not complete south like Provence. It's north of Provence and it's in an area they call the Mid-Pyrenees. Mid-Pyrenees. And the capital, if you like, of that particular area is called Radez, which is quite a large city. Um, but the whole area is just populated with medieval villages, castles. Oh, it just You just can't believe how much there is to see in this region. And it's not even visited by the French. Even the locals say the most visitors we get here are cows, <laughs> you know, because it's just so pristine. I mean, and you had the uh, pilgrims route that went through there and went through to Conk, and Conk's got a very different style of architecture because it's more Spanish-influenced. And where, you know, the, the actual St. James, of course, the pilgrimage route of St. James, this is where it all started, it finishes in France. So it's a really interesting area because you've got Gallo-Roman ruins, you've got beautiful villages, and in this whole area there's 30 of the most beautiful villages in France are located in this one region out of, I think, 130 of them are just in this one area. And that could keep you going for a long time. Oh, look, you you could be there for months and never do it all. And you've got Laguiole, which is in this area as well. Now, Laguiole, people may not know, is famous for its knives. You go there and just about every second shop sells knives. And I actually bought a set when we were over there, Mother of Pearl Handles, and oh, just gorgeous. And right near there, though, is the Michel Le Bras restaurant, which is famous uh, throughout France and the world if you've travelled. He gets three Michelin stars. And you can dine there, and it's the most incredible um, restaurant perched up on a hill overlooking the valleys. And it's just absolutely delightful. So you can take advantage of his wonderful cuisine. He calls it the cuisine de terroir, which means he cooks from what comes out of the earth or what comes around them in the Aubrac region. So everything is, is local produce. And the cows of this region are considered to be the best meat, quality meat. And, of course, they're famous, of course, for duck, of course, as well. So you can just have the most wonderful experience. And you, every time you drive around another little corner, you'd sort of almost takes your breath away. It's such a beautiful region of France and very undiscovered. Um, whether it ever will be, you sort of hope not, even though I'm talking about it. I'd hate to see it get overdeveloped because at the moment there's just not one modern building. It's all beautiful old buildings, castles, as I said, cobblestone streets. You don't see any graffiti. You don't see any garbage. You, there's no fast food outlets. It's, it's just delightful if you want to immerse yourself in a country and feel that that's the way they've lived their life all their lives. 
it's a perfect place to go. And the generations before them as well. Well, that's right. So I just had to, and it was in an article, it was actually in the Travel and Leisure magazine December issue, if anyone was lucky enough to get hold of it and hasn't read that article yet, you will just think, I have to go to this region, I'm sure. So, yeah, that was how I thought I'd start today, just taking me back. Um, it's well, a while since I've been there too, so... No. Well, there you go. There may be an incentive to go again. There may be. And whilst we're on France for the moment, I just thought I'd mention that we have talked about this before, but a company called Albatross Travel, who does some wonderful trips throughout Europe, has the um, itinerary that does the Chateau's Boulevards and Battlefields, they call it, which, of course, is quite quite famous, of course, because of the, the high esteem Australians were held for what they did during the war. And, of course, there's streets and everything named after them and, and lots of these little villages in the, that area of Bretagne and uh, Amiens and it's it's a wonderful itinerary and they've got two dates um, one in July the first and one on the 2nd of September still with vacancies the one good thing I just thought I'd mention about this company Albatross Travel on any of the itineraries you do with them not just this it's a fully inclusive cost now people sometimes look at the cost and think oh it's a bit expensive but lots of other tours Jane and you may not have done much touring because I know you do lots of things on your own but there's lots of optional extras always not all your excursions are included, your admissions into castles or chateaus or whatever. So your hand's in your pocket consistently. You have to tip the driver and the tour manager. You know, so it's nothing like that. You don't actually outlay a cent when you do an itinerary with Albatross Travel. And we've had people come back who, even just recently as Christmas, who raved. Like it was 12 degrees one night in Paris, they got back to Hebron, was freezing and shivering, so they provided them with a free schnapps each. You know, they just do little extras. Nothing's too much trouble, and it's it's absolute high-quality touring at, at its best. So if anyone's thinking of going to Europe and likes to feel that they're not going to be having to put their hand in their pocket all the time, and it's up front paid before you go, so it's a good way to travel anyway. Hmm. Hmm. And that's France again, of course. As it is. And as I said, they do have many other itineraries to beautiful areas of Europe as well. But that's their expertise is, is Europe. Easy listening, 103.72 on URFM. We're talking travel. And that's thanks to our sponsor, Travel World on King. And we've been in Europe. We've been in France, to be precise. And Sally Lucas, we're staying in Europe right at the moment. We are. And just before we move on to uh, other areas of Europe, I just thought I'd mention there's a, a company in Australia that's called Walking Tours and Slow Food, food Tours. And they do them in the French Pyrenees. And the, and the gentleman who runs it, he is actually French. He was born in the southwest of France near the Basque region. And his name's Patrick Ariola. And his wife, Robbie, is Australian. But together, they've put together these wonderful walking and slow food tours that take you into his canton and different regions you, again, wouldn't normally get to that's off the tourist trail. And just so people know, he's released them for this year. And only every second year, he does um, the uh, walking tour of the Compostela Pilgrim Walking Tour. So that's on this year as well. So just to let people know that those itineraries are available and they've got their own little 19th century cottage as well, which they rent out as well, called Pistole. So it looks absolutely delightful and again, you're just getting that personal service and attention and taking you into areas that are a little bit unknown, which is always nice. And you're talking slow food um, mm. that is becoming more and more prized, I suppose, as a, an alternative that's, to fast food. That's exactly right. And, and I think we could learn a lot from that by going back to roots like these people do rather than us following unfortunately the the very westernized route of fast food because really there's nothing like is there food Sitting that down. comes from in, with yeah. a family that's that's how it all started with food in europe it was a, a family occasion you shared your meal you talked about your day's happenings and so on and that's what it should be 
and the dedicated time. Two mm. hours is supposed to be the ideal for a French meal. I yes, <laughs> yes, they enjoy their food, don't they? So that's the time you set aside for that occasion. That, exactly. And slow food. Slow food, exactly. We were talking about albatross travel, and I thought I'd mention, as I said, they do do other trips, um, Italy, and a lot of them around about 15 days to 18 days, but they're in-depth in countries, so you get a lot more time. So rather than doing a 15-day Cook's tour of Europe, it'll be a 15-day tour, maybe of only two or three countries, or an 18-day the same, only three, maybe four. So they're very in-depth, and they've got a lovely one that goes through Bavaria and Slovenia to Croatia, so it starts in Munich and heads all the way down through... Um, um, into Oberammergau and down into Innsbruck through the Austrian Tyrol, sorry, to Salzburg, and then down through the Austrian Alps to Villach, uh, to Lake Bled and Ljubljana in Slovenia, and then they go down into Croatia and across then to Trieste, and then they go and stay in a castle for two nights in, in northern Italy and then finish up in Venice. So they've got some really interesting itineraries, and as I said, the inclusions are marvellous, just to let people know. So that's something that you could consider, and there's lots of other itineraries available, obviously. Um, just what I mentioned Tuscany, a lot of people have, that was the flavour of the month, if you like, last year. Italy was really a, a hot, a hot seller. Um, and Turkey, but Italy in particular. Um, Turkey seems to have taken over a bit this year. But, um, most of the villas in Tuscany used to be week only rentals Saturday to Saturday. Now, a lot of them are still that, but there are a few companies out there now that are doing minimum two or minimum three night stays, which means for the person that just didn't have a whole week or couldn't go Saturday to Saturday the way their schedule worked, at least there's an opportunity now, a window of opportunity for you to go to Tuscany, still stay in one of these lovely villas and not be committed to a full week. So just keep that in mind that that is available. Flexibility. Um, mm. Yes, flexibility is coming in. Um, also to let people know Heathrow has at last unveiled its new Terminal 5. Um, we hope that that's going to relieve some of the burden in London because it has been dreadful. Um, anyone knows who's gone through there and ever since the extra security of course it's queues and queues and more queues. So let's just just hope that relieves some of the burden at Heathrow and they'll be able to distribute airlines now more evenly over the terminals. And also Singapore has a, a third terminal now. Um, and again, that's really good too because Singapore is becoming quite a busy airport, of course. Um, and let's people know that the A380 on my birthday, the 18th of March, is now commencing its route all the way through to London. Um, it started at, towards the end of last year just into Singapore, but now you can go in the comfort of the A380 all the way through to London. That's the new air. Bus. The new Airbus and the, uh, the big wide-bodied job. And yes. that was the very first one that came out, wasn't it? We were, we were the first uh, to get it. Sydney was the first, which is quite a coup, uh, really, for it to land here. And Singapore Airlines is still the only airline to have them flying in the sky. The others haven't taken delivery of their A380s yet. Qantas is not going to be far behind. They've got them starting up fairly soon. But Singapore Airlines is winging it away all the way to London on the A380, which is good news because it's a lot more comfortable, wider seats, more legroom, more pitch, um, bigger screens in the back of the seats, USB ports, in your, you know. So it's really a, a, an upward mark for economy class travel. And of course, they've still got the wonderful first and business class travel, as we know, second to none. Mm. Um, while we're on airlines, um, Swiss Air has decided to say goodbye to seasonal fares, which is good news. So they're just having year-round fares now, which is 
excellent. And they also let you do combination fares. So if you can't afford business class all the way, they'll let you do half economy, half business, half business, half first. Uh, a lot of airlines don't let you do that. So it's just good to let people know. Um, I had a group go last year uh, in, into Serbia with, with Swiss, and they couldn't speak highly enough of their attention and the way they looked after a group. Um, and, you know, they only flew economy class, but they said nothing was too much trouble. Service on board was excellent. They were a very good airline to fly with. They don't fly out of Australia, of course. Um, we don't have any European carriers flying out of here anymore, um, only British Airways, which is really English, I suppose, not European. Um, but they all have links with Asian carriers that get you to Asia, and then you pick up your Swiss Air flight from there. So you can go, like, to Singapore. Um, they fly out of Hong Kong. Bangkok, you know, most of the Asian cities, and then you can pick up your Swiss flight. So it gives you an opportunity, too, of having two different stopovers if you want, whereas if you go with Cafe Singapore, whatever, they've got to go via their home port. That's their trade agreement. So you'd be going via Hong Kong in both directions or Singapore, but this way, of course, you could choose a different, you know, stop in each direction if you so desired. So that's just some little airline updates. Talking travel. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we'll be back next Friday after the one o'clock news here on 2NURFM 103.7.